0: Well, hello, Living Hope Community Church. It's great to be with you here the Sunday before the 2020 presidential election. And uh, I've been invited graciously by your pastor, Steve Chang, to speak into uh, the Real Conversations series on the subject of politics. And uh, to prepare for the sermon, I did a little bit of uh uh, perusing on your church's website just to get to know you all a little bit better and I noticed your, uh, your slogan, a church to call home. And this really is a unique thing about Christianity, about the gospel and about the nature and character and mission of Jesus Christ. And that is that Jesus Christ wants to make a home for all kinds of people. That includes, as the book of Revelation says, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, or as the Apostle Paul writes about, for Jews and Gentiles, or as the Great Commission says, for people in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the way to the ends of the earth, the rich, the poor, uh, the the religious, the irreligious. uh, There's a place for... Uh, All kinds of people in the kingdom of God and in the family of Jesus. That also includes red state people and blue state people. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, But I'll start with a quote from uh, Trinity uh, Evangelical Divinity School theologian Donald Carson, also a New Testament scholar. He says that Christians, here's a, a definition that he gave of Christians just from a social perspective. He said, Christians... Uh, are a band of natural enemies who have come to love one another for Jesus' sake. Now, one of the things that he was getting after, I think, in that quote was that relational and social dynamics across the lines of difference will be radically different inside the body of Christ than they even have the ability to be outside the body of Christ. And I can think of no more relevant Uh, time than right now to really drill down on those realities. We want our churches to emerge from this season not divided but unified, not suspicious of one another but loving one another and trusting one another and and being quick to listen and slow to speak, learning from one another, being sharpened as iron sharpens iron. So to start this message on uh, real conversations about politics, I'd like to quote, a screw tape letter that actually wasn't a screw tape letter. C.S. Lewis didn't write this. This is actually a parody of a screw tape letter that somebody else, some anonymous person later on wrote. uh, And it goes like this. Uh, First of all, I'm sorry, first of all, a little bit of background. Uh, The screw tape letters, for those of you who aren't familiar with the screw tape letters, it's, it's a it's this book that C.S. Lewis wrote, and it's, it's framed as a senior devil or demon mentoring a junior devil or demon on how to distract a Christian or a person who's about to become a Christian away from God and away from the gospel and away from Jesus Christ. And so here's what this particular letter says. Remember, this is a mentor devil to a younger devil. Be sure that the patient remains completely fixated on politics arguments, political gossip, gossip and obsessing on the faults of people they have never met serves as an excellent distraction from advancing personal virtue, character and the things the patient can control. Make sure to keep the patient in a constant state of angst, frustration and general disdain toward the rest of the human race in order to avoid any kind of charity or inner peace from further developing ensure that the patient continues to believe that the problem is out there in the broken system, rather than recognizing there is a problem with himself. Keep up the good work, your affectionate uncle, screw tape. So what I'd like to do is begin my thoughts, booting off of this uh, parody, with the notion that the Bible presents a presiding reality over all things over heaven and earth and everything under the earth of one king and one kingdom. So Jesus gets into this conversation with uh, some scribes and Pharisees about politics and they ask him a gotcha question and they say to him, Jesus, here's a coin with Caesar's image on it. Should we pay our taxes? Or should we not, since we are subjects of God's kingdom? And Jesus gave a clever answer. He says, whose image is on the coin? And they said, Caesar's image. And he said, well, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and render unto God what belongs to God. Now, now there's something subtle there. The image of Caesar, King Caesar, is or Emperor Caesar, is on the coin. So give the coin to Caesar. But whose image is on you? God's image is on you. So render yourself in all things, including political commitments and conversations to God. Give the coin to Caesar. Give yourself fully to God. That's Jesus's greater concern, not where the money goes, but where your heart goes and where your life goes and where your investment and energy and convictions go. The question is not, is God on our side in seasons like this? That's not the question. The question is, are we on God's side? And if the answer to that question, are we on God's side, is yes, then we will live out what Former President John F. Kennedy said, I'm going to highlight some people from the left and also from the right uh, in this message just to keep you guessing and to keep all of us thinking very carefully. John F. Kennedy said, let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democrat answer, but the right answer. Now, I'm not sure what fueled that statement from President Kennedy, but it's a very Christian statement. Let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democrat answer, but the right answer. In other words, it's better to be on the side of truth and on the side of Jesus than it is to be on the right side of the aisle. When Jesus is our king, and this is going to be the outline of the sermon today, four four realities will, will emerge. First of all, we will not over identify with any political party. Secondly, we also won't under identify with the political process and system. Third, we will fight differently than the world fights around political and social issues. Finally, when we disagree in Christ, we will love each other and the world well. So let's start with the first. We, uh, if we are looking to Jesus as our king, Jesus who said my kingdom is ultimately not of this world. Some trust in princes, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. When Jesus is my functional king, I will not over-identify with any political party. I will demonstrate myself to be a wholesale disciple of scripture, which will prohibit me from being a wholesale disciple of Fox News or CNN, of Donald Trump or Joe Biden. If I'm a wholesale disciple of Jesus, I cannot be a wholesale disciple of any other person or of any other platform. Remember government was God's idea. Government is a good thing. No Christian should ever say that, 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 that Christians should remove themselves from the government process, or for that matter, the political process. But it's important to remember that, that, that even though government was God's idea, politics was our idea. Government is a good thing. Oftentimes, politics takes a good thing and corrupts it. Here's how it can play out in the local church without us even realizing it. One of uh, one of uh, the congregants of a church that I used to pastor, I'm currently pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, but this was several years back, and it was there was a, a heated presidential election going on, just like the one that we're in right now. And a man from our church uh, came up to me after uh, my sermon on the Sunday before the election. And he said to me, you'll never believe what happened in our small group this past week. And I said, I bet you I will believe it. I've heard a lot of things uh, that happen in churches. I bet you I will believe it, but let me hear it. He said, well, here's what happened. We're, we're sitting there in the circle sharing different things. And, and one of the people in the group said, aren't you all so excited that during this season there are so many non-Christians that are attending our church? And somebody said, oh, well, it will tell us about some of the non-Christians that you've met and talked to uh, at our church. And she and, and, and the person said, uh, well, I, I don't know if I've actually met anybody, but what I am noticing in the parking lot before and after church is bumper stickers in support for the other party. The presumption there was the other party was the non-Christian party. And this gentleman who approached me after the service on the Sunday before the election to tell me about this said I didn't have the heart to tell the group that one of those bumper stickers was mine on my car. Let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democrat answer, but the right answer on the American political right and the American political left. There are beautiful truths and principles that drive the platform and on the American political right and the American political left, there are gross injustices. Gross injustices on both sides, because we're talking about institutions that were created by human beings who are flawed and sinful and blind. We miss things, which is why the left and the right need each other's perspective. Here's, a, here's, an, here's another example. Okay, so you, you can live in the city of Nashville, right? And you can, you, can, you can be part of a church in one zip code in the city of Nashville, and everybody in that church will say, I believe that every book of the Bible, all 66 books of the Bible, start to finish, Genesis to Revelation, completely inspired by God, the authoritative word of God, uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, as we say in our tradition, the only rule of faith and practice. I submit my whole life and my whole perspective, my thoughts, my words, my doings. I want to submit, submit everything to the Bible. I hold it way up here as God's word. And you can have a whole church of people in one zip code that say, that's what I believe about God and his word. And on the basis of my reading of that Bible, I, I just don't understand how somebody can identify as both a Christian and a Democrat. And then you can go in another, into another zip code to another church, in that same city, in the city of Nashville in this case, and everybody believes the same thing about the Bible, but everybody says the opposite. I can't understand how a person could identify as a Christian and as a Republican. This points to something very significant. We all have biases that are influenced by our culture, that are influenced by our our life experience, that are influenced by where we are on the pecking order of sort of society's, you know, class system, unspoken class system, you know, the the, the rich and powerful and the poor and, 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 and those who are depending on others to help them survive. We have to admit our own bias. And because we have bias, we also have blind spots that need to be informed by people who see the world differently than we do and experience the world differently than we do. So Christina Cleveland is a professor at Duke University Divinity School and here's what she said on this. She said, the people who have the clearest view on our, vi- our biases are our sisters and brothers in Christ who hold divergent political views. She's encouraging in the same way Paul encouraged Jews and Gentiles to come together. She's encouraging red state and blue state people to come together. Because we all together want to become those kinds of people about whom it is obvious in the way that we speak, in the way that we conduct our lives, that it's obvious that our highest allegiance is not toward our political loyalties, but to King Jesus. You know, Duke Kwan, who is a, a pastor in one of the most diverse neighborhoods uh, in the United States, a Meridian Hill neighborhood in Washington, D.C., Uh, Duke Kwan says this. Remember, he is right there in the hotbed of American politics, Washington, D.C. Here's something he wrote. Christians should regularly experience discomfort within their own parties, how the issues are defined and what issues are tackled. You should never feel perfectly at home. If you've never affirmed or agreed with somebody of a different political persuasion, you are probably following your party more than you are following Jesus. Christians should be more critical of their own party than of the opposing party. Christians should occasionally make members of their own party mad. So here's a historic example. I talked a little bit about uh, John F. Kennedy from the left, uh, Uh, Now, some thoughts about C. Everett Koop, uh, the Surgeon General who was appointed by President Ronald Reagan on the political right. He had a very hard time getting through his confirmation hearings and took a lot of heat from the political left because he had written a book advocating for the pro-life position. Uh, He had actually co-authored it with with Pastor uh, and Philosopher uh, Francis Schaeffer called Whatever Happened to the Human Race. And it, it, was, it was essentially a book written for the defense of the unborn, justice for the unborn, advocacy and protection for the unborn vulnerable in the womb. It Took a lot of heat from the political left, but barely squeaked through his confirmation hearings. And then sometime after that, as he's in his position of Surgeon General, uh, this new virus was discovered called HIV the AIDS virus. And at that time it was thought that only gay men contracted that particular virus. Now we know more about HIV AIDS now to know that's not the case, but at the time it, it was considered a disease afflicting gay men. And guess what happened? C. Everett Koop, to use Duke Quan's Duke words, made members of his own party mad by pouring so many resources that were at his disposal as Surgeon General to fight this disease that was thought to only affect gay men, which is more of a left-leaning cause. The Bible, when when it talks about government leaders, says that, 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 that the leaders that God gives us are due honor and respect. The Apostle Peter says, fear God, honor the king. Paul says the one who, and this is, by the way, in in an oppressive Roman government system that was not friendly to Christians. Paul says uh, those who rebel against the governing authorities also rebel against God who put them there. This is why David was so respectful to King Saul, even though Saul put a bounty on David's head. Or why Daniel and his three friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego spoke so respectfully to King Nebuchadnezzar who also threw them into a fiery furnace and a lion's den. This was also true of Joseph who spoke respectfully to the oppressive Egyptian pharaoh. This doesn't mean put your neck out there. It doesn't mean be a doormat. It doesn't mean accept systems that perpetrate pain and injustice toward other human beings, but it does say that there's a nuanced dance between two things. Speaking truth to power, which I'll get to in a second, and honoring those who are positioned above us in government authority. So speaking truth to power, that's that's the flip side of honor and respect. Speaking truth to power uh, suggests that, 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 that honor does not mean treating uh, it doesn't mean uh, honoring them as the Lord. It doesn't mean honoring our leaders as the Lord. It means honoring them as to the Lord, you know, recognizing that, that they are due a certain degree of honor because God has put them in their position. This means that Christians should be the least likely to hurl insults, public, sharp Personal insults, attack problems, attack positions, speak against problems and speak against positions uh, that that are unjust and wrong. Absolutely. But to start to insult persons and to insult, um, you know, individuals, as many Christians insulted from the right, insulted President Obama when he was president, and just as many Christians have no problem insulting President Trump. In 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 some ways a dehumanizing way. You know, the Bible gives us a more excellent way. It gives us a more counterculture picture. Our call is not to shame and insult and accuse. Our call is to uh, not to attack people. Our call as Christians is to attack problems, not people. And that includes the political process. Here's how Mother Teresa Mother Teresa did so. She was Invited by a, a a a very staunchly pro-choice president and vice president and their wives to be the keynote speaker to the American uh, National uh, Day of Prayer breakfast, cameras are rolling. She's five feet away from from two of the most powerful people in the world. Uh, she's looking over the podium, and one of the things she says in her speech to the sitting president of the United States, looked him right in the eye and said, stop taking the lives of your unborn babies and give them all to me. That was a powerful moment. And there are others who advocate in similar ways for vulnerable immigrants and refugees or the vulnerable poor or elderly or disabled Vulnerable women, vulnerable children, victims of abuse, victims of poverty. Christianity is an advocating religion that will not because its pro-life position is not a la carte. It doesn't just say we're pro-life for this segment of the community, but for all human beings who are created in the image of God and therefore have dignity and are worth advocating for and protecting because we are a la carte because we support left and right leaning causes as followers of King Jesus to promote truth, beauty, and justice as much as possible for the entire human community. We will never over identify with a political party as if the political platform and our Christianity were one and the same. When we follow the whole Jesus, people will experience us as being more Christian than they experience us as Republican. And they will experience us as more Christian than they experience us as Democrat. Doesn't mean you can't be a Republican or a Democrat and a Christian. It just means that your Christianity is way out front, taking the lead, affirming what's good and critiquing what's not good about the other party and about your own. That's Christian politics. And the cost of this, the cost of discipleship here, is that you're going to be perceived as being too conservative for your liberal friends and too liberal for your conservative friends. That's just how it goes. So secondly, that was my longest point. Now I'm going to race to the finish line with the last three. We also will not under-identify with the political process. Government matters. Just like family, just like the church, Government is an institution that was put in place by God himself for the promotion of human flourishing and and for the confrontation of human injustice. That's why government exists, to promote flourishing and to confront injustice. My friend Michael Ware, who served as an aide in the Obama administration, who is also very publicly pro-life for the unborn, and it's one of those occasions where he departed from part of his party platform out of his Christian conviction. But here's what Michael says. Government, and especially, especially the power that we are given to vote. Government and voting are a forum for this purpose, to love your neighbor as yourself. Not raw interest, but to love Raw, not raw self-interest, but to love your neighbor as yourself. That's why we're given a vote as Christians. That's how we're stewarding it. That's where we're, how we're meant to steward it. Third, we will fight differently than the world. You know, Christianity, is, according to C.S. Lewis, is a fighting religion. You know, Christianity is not against the world. It, it's so for the world because our God so loved the world because our God is a God of every nation, every tribe, every people group, every tongue. You know, C.S. Lewis would go on to say, if you read history, you'll find that the people who did the most for the present world are the ones who thought the most of the next. In other words, the more heavenly minded God's people have been, the more earthly good they have been as well. You know, you'll see this in, in, in so many different realms. Christians have been historically on the front lines of so many mercy and justice movements. Orphan care, the abolition of the slave trade, the um, Uh, you know fighting more in more contemporary times against the sex trade and sex trafficking Nicholas Kristoff of the New York Times who's an avowed agnostic says that every time he covers natural disaster or abject poverty anywhere in the world Christians are the first to come and the last to leave and they're the ones who open their wallets and empty their pockets uh, more than the rest of the world combined that's Christianity at its best. That's the kind of Christianity that, 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 that led anti-Christian Emperor Julian of Rome to complain in a letter to a friend about how Christians took better care of Rome than Rome did. That's Christian politics. That's the kingdom of Jesus coming into the world through God's people. And then finally, when we disagree with each other inside the body of Christ, we will love each other well. That's part of our witness. Jesus said it in John chapter 17. Essential and central to our witness is that we love each other well. The whole world will know that you belong to me and you're unique because you belong to me. Because you love one another. And in his audience when he said this was a big government tax collector named Matthew and a small government libertarian type who was a zealot named Simon. Here's the interesting thing about Matthew and Simon. We have no record, even though they lived together for three years, we have no record of the two of them getting into a political spat. We have a lot of record of the disciples bickering with each other, but n- none about the, 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 big, the big government and small government uh, disciple fighting with each other. We have no record that either one of them left his political affiliation. What we do have record of is this. One of the four gospel writers taking pains to point out the fact that Matthew was a tax collector and Simon was a, a zealot. And that, by, that, that gospel writer was Matthew himself. There's something significant in there. I'll close with this. The great John Wesley which, by the way, I say this as a reformed Calvinist quoting an Arminian Wesleyan, Wesley himself, hopefully as an illustration of the things I'm trying to say here. I've got a lot to learn from my Wesleyan Arminian brothers and sisters in the Lord. Here's what John Wesley said in a heated political season and the votes were about to be cast. For people who will vote, I urge them to vote for those they judge most worthy and to speak no evil against the person they voted against and to take care that their spirits are not sharpened against people who voted on the other side. Thanks again for having me uh, and uh, really appreciate you, Living Hope Community Church. I hope to visit you sometime in person. Thank you again, Pastor Chang for inviting me to speak on this sensitive uh, but important subject to us all. Pray for us, our community at Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville in these things, and I will most certainly pray for you. Will you allow me to do that now? Father, thank you so much for this dear community of people who belong first to you and second to everyone and everything else that they belong to. Thank you for belonging in your kingdom, Lord. Thank you that you made a way for us over here in the area that you call the ends of the earth, the United States of America that didn't even exist when you gave the Great Commission. And here we stand, rescued, saved, included, and embraced because of the work done for us by a dark-skinned savior of Middle Eastern descent who was so poor he had no place to lay his head, who spent part of his childhood as a refugee on the run, who was regarded as an enemy of the state under Herod and Pilate and the centurions. Lord, teach us to receive his love and to follow in his steps, never taking an a la carte approach, as my friend Brian Laritz says to which segment of human, the human community gets advocacy and which segment doesn't. Make us as your people for all the vulnerable, we pray, because you came for us when we were most vulnerable in our own transgressions and sins. We're grateful for you, for the gospel, and for your kindness, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.